Hi, everybody. I'm Kevin Schwaller, and I'm a digital producer at Spectrum News in Milwaukee. And I'm Emma Sasek. I'm a reporter for the Desert Sun in Palm Springs, and welcome to another episode of Weekly Pop. How are you doing? Do you have back pain? I do. Oh, that's constant. <laughs> Constantly cake Jennifer Aniston. Good. Great. <laughs> I still have not gotten my cake from you, though, which is really rude. It's in the mail, I swear. <laughs> oh, it's it's defrosted it's melted it's all over the ups truck at this point <laughs> there's ants like crawling in and out of it there and it gets go. it gets dropped off in like the 100 degree weather of palm springs and it's just like yummy <laughs> it's about to get really fucking hot so i'm not gonna be able to leave my apartment <laughs> it's like 55 degrees in milwaukee right now and i'm honestly sweating <laughs> it is currently it's actually 65 degrees here and there is Damn. a beautiful breeze coming in Ooh. All of the windows are open. I know. Ooh. I can't open my windows because there's a softball game outside. <laughs> right. Right. We did see that the weather is about to be like 95 degrees this time next week. And that's, oh, when, Co- not. that's when Coachella starts. So that's going to be really fun for me, too. Oh, God damn. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but until then, we get to talk about some of our favorite things that we watched some news that came in in terms of the entertainment industry and more fun shenanigans from your favorite podcast hosts. And yeah. (laughs) And yeah. (laughs) And yeah. So did you see that the Academy is considering new theatrical requirements for like streaming service films? I did. And they like announced like the start of a new branch or something like that the other day Mm -hmm. too. So there's been a lot of Academy Award news the last few days. We'll start with yours. Okay, so yes, the Academy is in theory considering new requirements for films and their like best picture eligibility. Um, For people that don't know, basically you just have to have your movie play for what, a week in like New York and LA. Like pretty much yeah that's like literally the requirement and now there's basically a rumor that the academy is going to expand that eligibility to have to play in the top like 15 or 20 markets across the u.s i don't know what mm-hmm. those 20 markets are <laughs> um and th- basically that would just kind of require more people to have to go to the theater to see the movie such a shame well right and so first of all this is a great idea i don't think that i don't we've we've complained about this since 2015 when we met (laughs) um the amount of times that we'd want to go see a movie in theaters and it just wasn't available because it was Mm -hmm. only showing in LA New York Chicago like a single theater in Chicago Miami like you know bigger cities like that and so for us to even like live in like Palm Springs in Milwaukee uh there's people that live in middle of nowhere Kansas that are having a much harder time trying to go to the movies and in general there's already this need for people to return to the cinema especially after covid because people don't like going to the movies as much anymore mm-hmm. so but there are those people that do that live in the middle of nowhere population 450 and the nearest movie theater is 20 miles away so this if even if even so it's not going to help those people necessarily but it's going to help people have the opportunity to go see these movies and when i first moved here during during covid as you know there was a theater that was showing like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Mank mm-hmm. and The Lost Daughter. Like, I didn't have those options before. And they would show, like, a month-ish before the Netflix release. So happy that Milwaukee was included in that at the time. And it still is. Um, but there are those people who just don't have those opportunities. You don't... 
even people that live in New York and LA, if it's only showing for like a week or so at one theater, mm -hmm. it's going to be a hard time to go see the movie. I will say um, when Glass Onion came out in, what was it, October, November, around that time, it only had like a week release in theaters and it thankfully showed up here in Palm Springs, which I was so happy about. But I was also thinking like, why is it only a week release? Like, I know this is a whole different conversation, but Netflix could have gotten like millions upon millions of dollars if they just had it like in theaters for like two weeks, three weeks, however many. And that would have solved all of their financial woes in my opinion. But just in general, like it's nice to be able to see these movies in theaters versus a streaming service because I mean, you get the huge sound quality, you get the picture quality, you actually get to see it ahead of time. And for those of us who do actually care about seeing movies, keeping up with them, I mean, that's just a huge gain in general. And so I do always prefer watching movies in theaters. I do also like watching them at home just because, you know, of the convenience of it. But I think this is totally fine. And I mean, we've seen Netflix already put their movies in theaters. I've seen a few Apple TV movies that they've put in theaters. So it doesn't seem like it'll be like a huge stretch for them, aside from the fact that, oh, we just have to expand it to more theaters around the country. Right. And then it, it is funny, though, on the other side of that, though, is that all of the people that are voting for these movies have the screeners, so they're watching at yes. home. So it is kind <laughs> yes. of funny that they're forcing people to go to the movies, but they get to watch it at home. But That's at the same true. time, there are people that, like you said, love going to the movies. In college, we may or may not have illegally watched Call Me By Your Name because it leaked. But then when it came to Bloomington Normal, we went to go see it because we wanted yeah. to see it in theaters. Yes, we wanted to go see it in theaters it made sense to see this movie in theaters it was we just didn't have we just didn't have the opportunity to until yeah. way later yeah oh yeah it came out probably like a month and a half after like it released in LA and New York like they were slowly dragging out the release and yeah I remember us seeing it like after the new year Already by that point, it was like nominated for a bunch of Oscars. No, it was literally like the end of January. It was only oh. a couple of weeks before. I remember. Yeah, it yeah. was only a couple of weeks before the Oscars. It was stupid. And this mm -hmm. happens every year. So, you know, mm -hmm. and we've talked about this, like with Palm Springs having a film festival, with Milwaukee having a film festival. I'm happy that we now live in cities that have a lot more access to cinema <laughs> besides major blockbusters and like animated movies. Uh, because I remember we would constantly like, wish that we had we had the opportunity to see them in college there was a time even when i was living in peoria i drove to chicago to my parents to go see suspiria because it wasn't showing in peoria little did i know it was actually showing in peoria yes, i do remember that <laughs> so i literally went home for a weekend drove two and a half hours home then we drove like 40 minutes out to go see it Suspiria, which my parents hated. <laughs> Scarred your parents for life. Absolutely did. And then I came back and then that Sunday night saw that it was actually showing in Peoria. So I went to go see it again. <laughs> I do remember those text messages. I just remember world the world before Suspiria came out and the world after Suspiria came out and they were never the same. Literally, it was like before Christ and after death. That was, <laughs> that was me seeing Suspiria. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, and then luckily though, Netflix and Apple, I think are kind of already in the mindset of yeah. putting their movies in theaters, like we talked about with like even Glass Onion, like Apple has a Ben Affleck movie called Air that's going to be coming out 
and Martin Scorsese's Killers of a Flower Moon, they're already going to be hitting theaters before their streaming release. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's like a David Fincher movie coming out with Bradley yeah, Cooper. The, the Killers, I think, is the yes. Michael Fassbender one. Yeah, I mean, they all can very easily do this. So it doesn't seem like it's too pressing on their part. No, it looks like they're already like trying to follow suit even before this news came out. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, ha- I'm happy about it. Mm-hmm. Which is good because like we said, I'd rather watch that movie in theaters versus at home. And I will say we kind of talked a little, not crap, about like Nomadland and Coda last episode or the episode before that. I will say if I saw Coda in theaters, I probably would have liked it a lot more. Because, for example, I went to go see the Banshees at Ministerian at this theater I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And knowing nothing about the movie, I did not know it was like a dark comedy. I just knew who was in it. And that it was going to be an awards movie. And I had so much fun because everyone in theater was laughing. Again, I didn't really know it was a comedy. So I had a great time. But a lot I recommended it to people that found it really boring because they watched it on HBO Max. And I'm like, yeah, because if you're in the theater with all these people experiencing a movie, that's more likely going to make it a lot more memorable. You're going to prefer that movie overall a lot more than half-ass watching it on HBO, on your couch, on your phone. Mm-hmm. I watched Banshees in like a... Palm Springs Film Society screening and people were loving it and it's a whole different experience compared to watching it at home because I did watch it at home and I wasn't laughing like nearly as much as I did just because you you get that audience reaction and you enjoy it like that and I never saw Coda in theaters but I'm sure I would have heard like people sniffling and crying during certain parts I still did do that at home correct I did I did too again we don't hate Coda (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I'm for this. I I just want to see more movies. That's me at the end of the day. Absolutely. Can we can we get to award season? <laughs> well, speaking... let's, let's pause. <laughs> <laughs> no, but speaking of award season, uh, the Academy. Yes. Yeah, so the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences decided to expand from 17 to 18 branches. And this was announced on Friday. So Uh, A production and technology branch has been created and it'll become the home of nearly 100 people who were previously classified as members of large. And so um, these people are the ones working in these technical and production positions, which includes pre and post production, stunt coordinators, script supervisors, choreographers, etc. And people were excited about this news because they think that it could possibly be the next step that leads into the stunt category, which the Oscars does not have. And a lot of people over the years have been saying that this definitely deserves to be added because all of those fight scenes, all of those like crazy moves that you see that's all somebody working behind the scenes and actually doing it and so or or it or it's actually Michelle Yeoh doing it herself (laughs) that that too you know that woman can do anything she can kick (laughs) she can kick your butt as she said (laughs) um so I I don't know where they are in that process if that's even like a possibility if they want to do that but I think that would be a pretty cool move and there are certainly many other categories that I would like to see. So I thought we could maybe talk about some categories that would make sense to add for the Oscars. Yeah, no, I agree, actually. I think, um, for example, I think, like, those best breakout roles that we see even at, like, Sundance um, mm-hmm. and, like, the Critics' Choice. Like, there's so many different award shows or festivals that celebrate 
breakout stars or first time directors, things like that. And I think if the Academy got on that level, that would be a really smart move because that would give that person a lot more credibility, quote unquote, credibility in the film industry. I mean, last year, for example, after Sun most likely would have easily taken that category if we had like a first time directors category. Pretty much throughout the award season, Charlotte Wells was winning this category without a problem. And it's a great movie. I don't know if you got to see After Sun, but it was Oh, I love After Sun. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, Paul Meskel was uh, nominated for Best Actor, but I would have loved to have seen Charlotte get in for a first-time director or first-time filmmaker category. Mm-hmm. Would have loved to have seen Frankie, the little girl who plays his daughter in the movie, if there was like a newcomer category. It just would be nice to award more people and to celebrate like their start in the industry versus just, I don't know, sometimes having like all these veterans constantly nominated, which isn't bad, obviously, but it would be a nice balance between the two. Well, that's why it was great when Paul Mezcal was nominated. And even last year with Kristen Stewart being nominated, it's like, true. it's a genuine breath of fresh air to have those instances happen, but at the same time, we could get the ball rolling a lot quicker if we had these people be nominated for other for similar categories and then still have the veterans kind of do their thing right. in the in the quote unquote bigger categories but at the same time that also means the the show would become a lot longer than it already is <laughs> and i guess maybe there would be like that the conversation like oh are they not good enough to be in the in the traditional categories which you know, maybe that might come up, but it's still better than not getting nominated, I think, at the end of the day, end of the day, too. I agree. I don't I think there would definitely be a big talk about what's considered good enough to make the show. But at the end yeah. of the day, I agree with you that it's good just to be nominated slash to win, even if it's not televised. I do think mm-hmm. there's room though for um a stunt category to make it in. I think adding one category, an extra 30 seconds isn't going to make or break the runtime of the Academy Awards. You know, I mean, they already they already took away that other sound category a few years ago. So we would just be back up to 24 categories again. And it would be easier to follow than the two sound categories like we've talked about before. That was, no one ever understood that. <laughs> <laughs> People were just like, yeah, sure, this one, that one, yay. <laughs> but I was reading about this earlier and I didn't realize that there were attempts to add a stunt category from 91 to like 2012 like every year people were petitioning to have a stunt category added and they just never did so 11 years later if they were to add it I think yeah I think adding one back isn't a bad idea and my hot take is you could probably cut down some other categories (laughs) oh boo get (laughs) them off the stage I don't need to see animated short films be televised I don't care I'm sorry (laughs) people love their shorts I you know that's great yes sure and they did that a few years ago when they like decided to not show eight categories and then like edit them into the program and I just think that they did a really bad job of trying to edit it into the program they they very much did yeah Mm -hmm. my honestly you know what like we just talked about if you're nominated if you win great I don't that that's that should that should be enough is my opinion (laughs) (laughs) because i mean also though like then you have a lot of those award shows even like the critics choice does like best sci-fi film and best horror film like they they have those opportunities which is great but then that also does expand the runtime of the show a lot more than just picking 
a best picture branch and like best actor versus like best actor in a comedy, best actor in a drama, you know, things like mm-hmm. that kind of opens like a can of worms. And at the Grammys, like, for example, they have so many different categories that they just start announcing them on Twitter. Like this person won this, this person won this. And I think that they may like announce some winners during the show itself, like during the commercial break or, you know, pre before the show started, we announced these people as winners and they seem to be fine with it. Viola Davis got her EGOT off camera. Well, I mean, it was on camera. It was tele- it was televised, just not during the actual Grammys. Right. Right. But she still got her EGOT and we all saw the clip on Twitter. <laughs> Honestly, they could totally do like a separate ceremony, like how we got to see Viola Davis's EGOT win. Like it seems like they do do a show prior to the official start of the Grammys and then the Grammys that everybody knows and loves happens. And so I would watch both of them. I would watch all of the Oscars. And that kind of goes back to even earlier what we were just talking about, like people that do care about these things are going to watch them, just mm-hmm. like going to go see Mank in theaters versus waiting on Netflix if you have the opportunity to see it in theaters. People that care about this stuff are going to continue to tune in. Definitely. Another category that I would like to see is one for best vocal performance. I wish Jenny Slate could have gotten an Oscar because I loved her as little Marcel the show. Absolutely. And it was funny because after I saw that movie, I didn't know it was Jenny Slate until the credits started rolling. I was like, oh, shit. I know. She's amazing. I fully agree. I mean, I think, honestly, the entire cast of Frozen could get nominated for this specific category. Josh Gad, Kristen Bell, obviously, I didn't know yeah. or Adele Dazeem, you know, whatever. It's interchangeable. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. I think, especially when it comes to, like, like even like, with the cast of Frozen specifically, with, with mo- animated movies that have singing you know, like Idina Menzel could easily have a couple Oscar nominations if for this specific reason alone. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, it would just be nice to see a little bit more reward going toward animated films. I mean, Guillermo del Toro is always making the plea that animation is cinema and it's not just for kids. And we mentioned in one of the episodes, Beauty and the Beast, that's the first film that got a Best Picture nomination. So like movies can animated movies can do that and they should be able to do more than just the animated category or best song if they happen to have a song in them so it would just be nice to spread the love a little bit more there was a time this past award season where i thought pinocchio was gonna get a best picture nomination and i I was like i was like that would be so cool i would love that and it was i still really wanted to to do that absolutely well, of course, we still have to see everything that happens over the next several months and until the next Oscars or a few Oscars down the line. But I'm pleased with some of these changes that the Academy is making. It's way better than that category that they wanted to add, like best movie among audiences or like a few oh, years ago. Oh my gosh, I forgot yes. about that. Like best fan favorite movie. Yeah, something like yes. that. And then they like did the the Flash was the best audience like reaction. Like it was so stupid. I can't, I totally blocked that out. That was terrible. That was a really stupid move on them. And people went so crazy for that online in terms of shitting on them. And then they were <laughs> like, yeah, we're not going to add that category. We're not doing best fan favorite moment, which was like the Flash takes on this character. And it was like, huh? How did that oh, yeah. win? <laughs> I totally forgot about that. I did not miss that. (laughs) Not at all. That had to have only been like two years ago. Yeah, I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was shocking and disturbing. (laughs) 
it was fucking dumb. It was terrible. So Academy, please don't do that again. Listen to us instead and give us the categories that we want and deserve. Thanks. Thanks. And when we're back, we are going to talk about the Amazon Prime original series, Swarm. (laughs) Okay, so Swarm. The new show on Amazon Prime. Yes. Let's get into it. Let's do it. (laughs) There's a lot. So this show was created by Donald Glover and is essentially based off the Beehive, Beyonce's fan base. And while watching the show, I identified as the main character. (laughs) I was about to ask, as a big member of the Beehive yourself, did you feel attacked watching this show? I mean... I've definitely gotten into more than one heated conversation about how Beyonce is the best performer of all time. And that's kind of the essential point of the show, except uh, Dominique Fishback's character, Dre, kills people that disagree with her. (laughs) Well, have you, are you saying you haven't done that? I cannot confirm nor deny. (laughs) Okay, very good. As your lawyer, I approve. (laughs) For legal purposes, yeah. (laughs) Yes, of course. Uh, But the show also stars Chloe Bailey, Harris Jackson, Billie Eilish comes in at some point. You have seen the full show at this point, so you'll basically kind of be taking over this conversation. I've seen the first two episodes, and it was quite an adventure. I mean, from within, I did not realize that within the first few minutes, we would see Chloe Bailey just getting (laughs) it. As a clip has been shared on Twitter a few weeks ago, and Dominique Fishback just watching from the doorway. I mean, great starting off point. And later we learned that that is her roommate and her friend. So that's an interesting dynamic that they have between each other. But I thought Dominique Fishback, based on the episodes that I've seen so far, she's scary, but she's very good. And I'm terrified of having any conversation with her regarding the Beyonce-type personality in this show. Or, or it just talking about Beyonce in general I'm afraid to say the wrong thing (laughs) (laughs) I fully agree I think she did so good in the show I don't I think it's probably just gonna be a one and done we can kind of like I said like you said we can get into how this whole series plays out uh the pilot episode is actually more or less based off of like an internet theory that was swarming the internet back when Lemonade dropped that a woman Marissa Jackson who literally Chloe Bailey plays that character that with the name um, took her own life be- while listening to Lemonade because she was so distraught that Jay-Z would cheat on Beyonce because Beyonce is queen. Mm-hmm. So there was an, an internet rumor that a woman committed suicide listening to Lemonade and that does happen in the first episode. Spoiler alert. Yes. Um. So have they like dug into that? Like, is that for sure like connected to her listening to Lemonade and that woman then killed herself? Or is that just kind of a rumor and whatnot it was a rumor um just kind of like a reddit twitter just people were tweeting and then it kind of picked up like there were a couple articles like it didn't become this whole thing obviously we would have remembered but but it was a internet hoax that was going around and later on in the show it becomes a lot more meta and a lot more this is clearly i mean the episodes each start with that title that says anything in this is actually happening you know um and they 
stay true to that promise and it just becomes like i said a lot more meta and they try to do this whole true crime spin-off into a real world version of this and they do basically straight up say that it's based on beyonce and they try to mix in that this fictional character is responsible for biting beyonce which does tiffany haddish talked about that a couple years ago that someone bit beyonce at a party funny and later on in the show they try to connect this fictional character to a fan that did jump onto the stage during on the run tour 2 in atlanta and kind of like stormed at beyonce and jay-z and then all the backup dancers like came in and were like dragging this guy back and like security had to come in and it's just like during the outro of Ape Shit, the song. And it's just so funny because the band's still playing, but in the video, like they're all just like grabbing at this <laughs> man. <laughs> but they try to connect it to be like this character is that person. So it does start to, I think, jump the shark a little bit, but it is a really smart take on celebrity obsession and stan culture and the internet. Um, all things that yes, definitely applies to Beyonce because like I said, she is the best performer of all time. And anyone that disagrees let's not get into it yeah watch your back (laughs) um but that can be said about you know lady gaga's fans and katie perry's fans and selena gomez's fan like that can be said about internet culture and kind of like the obsessions that people have with stars um Mm -hmm. it's a really great take on it it does like i said get a little weird um and by the end it's just like a fever dream i don't know if it's been out for a couple weeks but the show literally ends with this character jumps the stage to rush at nija and security all comes in and nija's just like no, it's okay. Sing with me. And then it ends with her getting in the limo with her. And they're like besties at this point, I guess. But it's clearly a fever dream. Like it's yeah. it's clearly her imagination running wild. Like she most likely was arrested, if not killed. <laughs> but it's open for interpretation. And like I said, like by the by last two episodes, it kind of just gets a little too off the walls, in my opinion. But the show does start off strong and the episode Billie Eilish you haven't seen it yet but it's so good <laughs> I just saw a little clip of her in the scene with Dominique Fishback and first her blonde hair blue eyes were like mesmerizing me but the way she was delivering whatever she was saying I was so hooked into it and I was like I need more Billie Eilish acting content was it the therapy scene or just like yes. something else? okay yeah that was yes. crazy I I think this show definitely does make a very interesting case and look at how far some people may go for actors celebrities musicians whoever that they love and um I mean I hope that they don't take it as extreme as Dominique Fishback's character does in the show but I mean yeah I mean we've all like fought for our favorites and defended them against their will our will the other person's will and I guess it's just like, how far do you take it? How far do you have to say like, all right, that person has their own opinions. They like their own people. They might not agree with me on this point and that's okay. Clearly in this show, she is not okay with anybody saying anything. I mean, in the second episode, she is working at a strip club and she's doing a very poor job of working at said strip club. And the music that she's dancing to is Nija's and it is like a sad song about like a baby dying or something like that. And all of the other women in the club are like, you need to stop doing this. And <laughs> she is immediately like, no, she has amazing songs. She's the best. And Cause somebody mentioned like, anyway, this other person has way better music to dance to. And she was ready to fight them on the scene. Like she is not giving up. Does that episode end with, them going to that guy's house that her and the strippers are now oh no that's the one with paris jackson 
saying Halsey is like the best. Yeah. Right. Okay. It, yes, it was Halsey. <laughs> that was so dumb. I know. No, but there is an episode coming up with the said strippers that is so good. I think it's probably episode three then. So you okay. should definitely keep going since there's only right. like seven episodes. But yeah, it that episode particularly is really good. Um, And the episode with Billie Eilish is really good too. Like I said, it just starts to derail a little bit too much and it's already in a very dark space anyway so it becomes kind of like a little too uncomfortable I feel like but that I, that's clearly the point of the show I have heard some people say that the pop star in this show just isn't exciting to them I don't know if you felt that or felt that like uh this really isn't like this person isn't reaching that icon status that I would associate with Beyonce or anybody else. I think the point was to make this character really ambiguous um, because I agree with that take that she's not very exciting. I think the point was is that they're trying to keep her a mystery because it's clearly based off Beyonce, but they don't want to, I think, possibly offend Beyonce. Mm -hmm. um, so they, any shots that she's in are very, like, hypnotic, like, not very clear. Like, and the songs that she's singing, like, you only hear little snippets of it. I think the point is, like, this is clearly an iconic person to a lot of people. Not so much on what she's actually doing in the show. She's not even a side character. She's less. She's um, just she's just an aura in the show. <laughs> I think that's actually the point. Is that she's it? She is more just an aura that's kind of just there. And when they we do see little bits and pieces of her, it's not anything too exciting. I think it's yeah. that's kind of the point. Is she's just this elusive figure that the show has established is this pop star. But even like you said with um that song about losing her baby, Beyonce has a song about losing her baby. Later on the show, they talk about Nyjah posting her twins reveal on Instagram and breaking the, mm. like, literally, that's the point, is that it's Beyonce. Yeah. They have it, somebody being interviewed in an Ivy Park jumpsuit. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, at the beginning of the show, when uh, this secret album and visual album was released, that is very reminiscent of when Lemonade dropped. That whole album is about Beyonce and Jay-Z's tumultuous relationship, him cheating on her. This album also seems very much to be in line with that. And when she announced that she was pregnant with twins, who else was pregnant with twins? I mean, everything is very much lining up with that. I would love to hear Beyonce's thoughts on the show. Because I think, I think I was reading somewhere that she did watch the show, but they, the interviewer slash the interviewee did not go into any further detail about that. And I'm dying to hear what she has to say. I would literally love to know what Beyonce has to say about this show. I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like she would get it. You know, it is art and she's an artist. So I think I, I, I think she would be able to tell, like, they're playing on certain things, hyping up certain things, obviously knowing that it is still a work of fiction, despite being based off of, like, certain events that happened, them trying to piece it all together to make it a storyline. But I do feel like she would be kind of uncomfortable watching it. Because even the, the album the album in the show is called Festival. It sounds like it's Renaissance. You know what I mean? Like, just mm -hmm. things like that. Probably would hit pretty close to home. But like I said, she isn't, the character isn't really that notable in the show until the literal last scene when she's in the limo with her. That's the, I honestly, I think the first time where we actually really see her face. Oh, okay. And I think it's probably the first time she talks even actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's, it's not like a take on her take on the fandom around her swarming yeah. around her yes obviously the beehive um 
I don't know why, but I kept thinking about The weekend and Sam Levison's upcoming show, The Idol, while I was watching this, especially when that clip posted after the Rolling Stones article came out that I was saying like, this mess, this show is a mess, the production is falling apart. And then they posted a clip with it, which they just somehow happened to have of The weekend and Lily Rose Depp's characters being interviewed by Dan Levy's character, who is commenting on a Rolling Stones article. Like all of it is like art is imitating life at this point. And I mean, that show is probably going to be a mess too, actually. What is the status update with that show? That was filmed over a year ago, right? I know. I think that it's supposed to play at some time this year and... I know they released a trailer at the beginning of this year and it was just said like coming in 2023, but it's like, well, it looks like it's ready to go at any point. So I've heard nothing but terrible things about this show. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I could have sworn I've been seeing things like Lily Rose Depp's character, the way she's treated on the set or like the way that the character is treated in the show. It's very just like normalizing really problematic behavior. Mm. Um, but that does sound like. If you've, oh. seen, if you've seen Euphoria from the twisted mind of Sam Levison as he likes to say it I mean it kind of kind of writes itself yeah so whenever that comes out I can't wait for us to talk about it exactly we will be the first on the scene to wrap up with uh swarm to let's to take it back a little bit um I do recommend it overall to people I think it being on prime is didn't isn't um Daisy Jones a prime show Yes, it is. Oh, great. I am. I have a couple episodes left. I will get there. Um, so good for good for Amazon for actually having original series that people are watching again. I, I think The Boys is on Prime Video, but I've never watched an episode of that show. But this year, I've already watched two shows from them. So that's way better than the last few years. That's, I think, way better than ever for Prime for me, because <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and when we're back, we'll talk about our What's Poppin' favorite pop culture moments of the week. My pop culture highlight of the week was actually just the other day. Uh, Kelsey Ballerini at the CMT Awards, which is filmed and presented in Nashville. She had a couple of queens from RuPaul's Drag Race join her on stage during her number. Mm. And her song was literally called, If You Go Down, I'm Going Down Too. And this is just a couple of weeks after the Tennessee drag ban, which prohibits quote unquote adult cabaret performance and quote unquote public drag in front of children. Um, it has since been stalled because of a federal judge kind of looking at it. I think he actually halted it. Um, but just the idea of bringing out drag queens on stage in a state where literally drag is banned is a very powerful moment. She had Manila Lazone, Kennedy Davenport, Jan, and Olivia Lux, all from Drag Race, like I said, kind of do backup performance around her. And she, I guess, told them just to like, do whatever they wanted and go with it. Um, yeah, and you know, not to get, I guess, super political on an entertainment show but at the same time I don't think drag is political (laughs) it's It's entertainment it's literally like an art form so very 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 happy that that happened I did not watch it because as you guys I guess don't know Emma and I don't love country music (laughs) but um country award shows are a great place to make statements I mean the chicks had Beyonce come up and do daddy lessons with them a couple years ago Mm. and they kept cutting to audiences really uncomfortable reactions and it was so great oh I love Um, that so I guess there's nowhere better to make a statement than an award show. And what a statement to make. I love that. I, I'm going to have to watch that. I haven't, I hadn't heard about that, actually. My pop culture moment of the week is 
a bunch of photos coming from the set of Joker 2, which stars Joaquin Phoenix, who's going to revisit his role as the Joker. And now it's going to have Lady Gaga play Harley Quinn. And in the first movie, there is a scene where the Joker is like dancing down these this long flight of stairs. And there have been photos of Lady Gaga doing the same in this version. And I, I'm very curious about this movie because they first said that it was a musical and I don't know what to think of that. I really was not a fan of the first Joker. It was far too long and I just didn't need that movie in all honesty. No. <laughs> and I don't know if I necessarily need this movie either. I mean... Am I excited to see Lady Gaga in a movie again? Of course. However, House of Gucci was a big fat flop. So <laughs> who knows how this one is about to be? <laughs> I I mean, honestly, Joker made like a probably a billion. Yeah, it definitely made over a billion it dollars. Did. Um, so this was inevitable, but to make a musical and have Lady Gaga play Harley Quinn, I mean, it sounds like a fun time. It sounds a lot more fun than the first movie. Didn't the first one get a best picture nomination? Yeah. Mm. I got a bunch of nominations mm. Mm. so I guess we'll see about this um, I did see photos well people were like going crazy over her as Harley Quinn but she didn't have like any makeup on like she didn't have the Harley Quinn makeup on so I was like oh it's just Lady Gaga walking downstairs this is a throwback to swarm this is basically swarm but for lady gaga at this <laughs> point but i mean i think today i did see a photo of her in the harley quinn makeup and it looked a little rough i was I just about to say. to say yeah just saw that picture too and i thought the same exact thing <laughs> <laughs> she could look a little bit better as harley quinn i am sad that margot robbie isn't going to play harley quinn because i do always have a fun time with margot's take on harley quinn uh but maybe it's for the best maybe she was like i'm not doing that i'm actually She's, not interested she said you know what I have Barbie. And we said, yes, you do. Yes, you do. You're going to win an Oscar. You're going to win is, every award. This is now three for three of podcasts where we talk about Barbie. <laughs> I think we need to keep going until it drops. And then after it drops, we'll just keep making references to Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I, I'm curious to see if they actually do make this a musical. A lot of people are thinking that it, it isn't going to be a musical, that this was like just their grab to get people's attention. But I think in general, if you have Lady Gaga in a movie, that's going to get people's attention. When you have Joker, which was so widely successful the first time around, have a sequel to it, that'll grab people's attention. So I don't know. We'll see. I am definitely looking forward more to this movie than the first one. <laughs> yeah. With the first one, I just kind of came away with this idea that I don't know if I necessarily ever needed an origin story for the Joker. Like the whole reason why he's interesting is that you don't know anything about this person. So, and also the origin story wasn't very compelling to me in the no. end. No, and also I would be okay. You know what? I think the Joker is a really fascinating character and I'm mm -hmm. okay with an origin story. My issue is that there's the Justice League movies. There's the new Batman with Robert Pattinson. There's mm -hmm. so many. There's Batman versus Superman. There's all of these Batman movies happening all at once. And throwing in a Joker origin story while the character, I believe, is already in one of these versions 
it's just too much. And also, yeah. even with this Harley Quinn, ad like, adding into this whatever universe this is, we already just had Suicide Squad with Harley Quinn. Oh, yeah. And the Joker was in that, too. <laughs> yes. And then so we had, at the end of Batman, a little snippet of a Joker in that movie, too. So there are, like, five different people playing the same character at this point. Yes. And that's, you know, that's kind of DC's problem. Not that we care about superhero movies, but what's nice about Marvel, at least, is that you're following a cohesive, well, I don't know about cohesive, but you're following the same storyline with the same characters that pop yes. in and out. While and DC you're having, people. yes, and DC are having 19 different versions of the same character coming out two times a year. It's yeah. just a mess. Yeah, like Ben Affleck, Batman, Robert Pattinson, Batman. Isn't Ben Affleck coming back? No, um, Michael Keaton's coming back as Batman. Yes, yes, that too. There's Isn't way too many people to keep track of. Isn't he like 80? <laughs> Alexa, how old is Michael Keaton? Michael Keaton is 71. 71 years old. 71. Thanks, Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's just too much. I don't even know what the stories are to begin with, let alone now keeping track of It's also like uh, with Spider-Man when they brought back like all of the Spider-Man. At least there were only three. Unlike Batman, where there have been like so many different versions of this character. So that one was at least easier to follow. But still, yeah. I, don't know what, I don't know what movie I'm walking into. <laughs> no. And, you know, like we said, we do like going to the movies. So we're going to see at least about half of these, depending more or less, especially if they're getting like some kind of awards buzz. Like the Batman totally. had amazing reviews. So it was like, well, I guess I have to go see this. <laughs> right. And I did uh, actually enjoy the Batman. I'll, yeah, give, and... I'll give it credit. And if they just stuck with that, because they, like you said, they teased the Joker. If they just stuck with one timeline to follow with one group of people, then I think it would be a lot less of a mess. <laughs> I agree. Couldn't agree more. Anyway, now that we're done shitting on superhero movies, <laughs> thanks for tuning in to another episode of Weekly Pop. <laughs> I'm Kevin Schwaller. And I'm Emma Sasek, and we will see you here next week. 